0: You've been a long while coming.
1: I'm not buying anything.
0: And I am not selling anything. I expected you sooner.
1: Oh, I remember you. At night.
0: And in the crypt. Go inside. You killed the wolf. Well,
1: there's no crime in that, is there? The wolf was Bela. You think I don't know the difference between a wolf and a man?
0: Bela became a wolf and you killed him. A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet or a silver knife or a stick with a silver handle. You're insane. I tell you I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. Take this charm the pentagram, the sign of the wolf. It can break the evil spell.
1: Evil spell, pentagram, wolfbane. Oh, I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm
0: gonna get out of here. Whoever is beaten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself.
1: Oh, quit handing me that. You're just wasting your time.
0: The wolf beat you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Wear this charm over your heart always. All right, all right, I'll take it. What's it worth do you? you? Dare to show me the wound? What? Do you dare to show me the wound? Go now. And heaven help you
2: you are listening to they must be destroyed on sight the following podcast contains adult language adult situations and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often you've been warned now take it away dr Roush.
0: they must be destroyed on sight
2: Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on site. episode 245. I'm your host, Lee. All astronomers are amateurs, Russell. And returning to the show, Paul filling his mind with this werewolf nonsense. Romali, how are you doing, sir? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. And I, you, you, you fill your mind with werewolf nonsense <clears throat> on a daily basis, do you not? Fill your mind and the rest will follow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We're finally getting around to doing this. We've kind of talked about doing this for a little while now, and uh, finally our schedule's aligned and shit. Uh, We're going to be talking about the original Wolfman from 1941, Uh, the original Universal Wolfman. Uh, Not the first werewolf film (laughs) that Universal did, but this is the iconic one, the one that, uh, well, we'll get into it, kind of, you know. It created the genre. It's basically the Dracula of werewolf films. Basically, uh, I, I, oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, yeah, before we get into that, we can uh, sort of talk about what we've uh, either watched lately or what we've purchased, uh, etc. So uh, I'll throw over to you first, there, Paul.
1: Well, I was—I've uh, been looking. I get heavily influenced by what I see on posted on horror chats and whatnot. So I found Death Scream. So I went to look for it from Death Scream from 1980. Yes. Because I want to Uh, buy all the 1981s.
2: Because that's that's how I'm trying to get all the 81s. That's also known as... um, uh, Is is it Death House or something like that? It's also known as... I, I used to watch that film all the fucking time on... Well, actually... Wait, I'll, I'll let you describe it first just in case I'm getting the wrong fucking film but uh, yeah
1: it's a group of teens in peril uh, they reporting hard a mass murderer systematically stalks and kills them with a machete
2: yeah but uh, like in the, the end like the uh, end part of the film there there's like a kill in a graveyard and then they run to a house mm-hmm, and yeah. one of, and one of the one of the girls in the group gets like she falls to the staircase and gets chopped in half mm-hmm. It, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um that's uh, also known as uh like Death House uh, or something like that as well. Yeah they used to House used to of play or something like that. Yes, House of Death, that's what it was. Used to play on fucking A&E all the fucking time. Used to watch it all the time on A&E. The only thing that sucks about this, now I have this cuz
1: <clears throat> there are some good ones on here. Like mm-hmm. Don't Look in the Basement I've always really liked. Yeah. Um uh Blood Tide with um James Earl Jones mm-hmm. and uh Jose Ferrer. Yeah. Um legacy of legacy of blood I mean they're all cool films but and it's a metal box that looks like a tombstone but they're edited and I don't like that they're all censored
2: so this is like some sub mill creek company that got like really yeah shitty prints
1: Yeah it's a uh, M- uh and totally clips release and th- I really like the films but I don't like something about them being edited. Just takes the, takes the. uh, I don't know. That that's fucking the icing off the cake.
2: Oh <laughs> fuck! Like, well, fucking, House of Death edited. That's that's really disappointing because I I don't know where else that is released necessarily. Right? Because that's not um, Death Dream it, has a Blu-ray now. Oh does? Oh well, well shit. Okay, well then, then that would be yeah. fine because. Um, Death but, scream and frozen screams both have a Blu-ray now. Yeah, because Death scream isn't on. Um, it's not on any like the uh, the fucking Mill Creek shit or anything like that. Because nope. I, I don't think it. I don't think it ever fell out a copyright or whatever. Right. So no, I've never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat>
1: here's a here's the um, from the director of Kingdom of Spiders comes mm-hmm. the dark, uh, the being and creature from the abyss. I got this little box set. And it all just seemed very entertaining. Um, The being just looked campy as hell. The dark is weird as shit. And uh, Creatures from the Abyss? You mean Lovecraftian, maybe?
2: We'll check it out. Okay. Here's a... um, What? I was just going to say, I've I've heard those titles. I don't know if I've seen any of those ones. Uh,
1: I know I haven't, so I'm really looking forward to it. Mm. Uh, Here's a Paul Nashe film that he does not play any monsters. (laughs) It's... uh, yeah, Kilima, Virgin of the Jungle. Okay, so I was like, all right, I'll pick it up. It's a little bit of a you know an Amazonian woman film with her friendly chimpanzee, so that'll be oh. fun. Um, I got something to tattelate my little uh, tingle tangle, and I got mm-hmm. Gestapo's Last Orgy, so this should be a <laughs> Jesus Christ, interesting little uh, film there. Um, yeah. I got a. I got a a slasher that came in one of those kind of like cardboard sleeves. So, you know, it's not going to be the, probably the best, or mm-hmm. at, at least it was cheap, uh, called Moonstalker. And I don't know. I just really like the cover. It's got this, uh, this, these camp, this really dorky looking camper sitting around the campfire. And in the moon, there's a silhouette of a guy standing there with an ax. All right. And to me,
2: I'm like, eh, sold. sold. Yeah. So yeah, no. sold. Um, yeah, I think that's what I, think I thought. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard of that one. I don't know. I, that, Sounds like another mm-hmm. one I haven't seen, unless it was like under another title somewhere. But mm-hmm. I got uh, a
1: duo pack. It's the Executioner Part Two, which is like a weird combat movie, and then yeah. uh, Frozen Scream. But the problem is, Frozen Scream is fucking horrible. It is so it's so yeah. bad. The acting's bad. Everything's bad in it. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing already because I just couldn't get really into it.
2: Um, I'm pretty I, sure the Executioner Part Two is actually not a part two of the first Executioner. It's like one of those ones no. where it's like they're they're cashing in on the success of another movie and calling it part two. If, if I'm right. not mistaken, is, I think But that,
1: the weirdest thing it's released like a lot later. Yeah, too, I think. Yeah, but I, you know, we'll see. I didn't watch it yet. The now I got another one that seemed really freaking weird. It's released by Introvision and it's from 1988 i think um and it's called things real yes, low they, budget
2: yeah that's craziness. a canadian made one
1: yep yeah well, i mean uh, i could i can see the guy on the cover saying hey cuz it just he looks like he he should be in the trailer park boys
2: it but is, it is definitely
1: interesting looking
2: it uh things is
1: 89
2: it yeah no it it is the um <clears throat> It's one of the best examples, I think, of like shot on video. Like we have no talent, we have no script, uh, mm-hmm. but we're just gonna go for it. And there's actually some pretty trippy, crazy shit in that film. That's good. Yeah, I think you'll probably enjoy it. Honestly, it it is fucking crazy pants. Well, I was gonna. I hope it's like. Like
1: abomination, crazy, like just that weird shot on video, crazy weirdness.
2: It, it, it I'll, I'll say this: like it, it's not necessarily like, uh, you know, splatter punk gore or anything like that, but it, mm-hmm. it is pretty nuts. Like this, <laughs> the whole concept, like the acting's terrible, uh, right? And it, and it's you know mostly shot on one location and shit. It's very cheap, but uh, the people who made it, like they were kind of giving their all mm-hmm. doing it. I like so, that. So it has, it has a charm to it. Like there, there's a reason why people <clears throat> like look for this film and talk about it and shit. Cause it is like, and I don't even want to say so bad. It's good because I feel like that's kind of like damning a film. in you it don't any want way. not shit on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's a very interesting, crazy ass fucking horror movie where it's just like, they had no talent or resources. Mm-hmm. but they were like, that's not going to stop us. We're going like to make the, it anywhere. I, mean,
1: I like the idea of like, do the best with what you have. Mm-hmm. They they definitely did. Yeah. I have another one from 89. I believe it's from 89. It is fantastic. Yeah. No, 88 Dracula's widow. This is a very interesting film. Yeah. Um, and Sylvia Christel star of Emmanuel, and not Laura Gensamer. This is another one from the Emmanuel series, apparently. Yeah, yeah, you know. That that's the original Emmanuel, Sylvia yeah. Costelle. Yeah. Yeah. So she is playing a um the there's a crate that comes to a, a collector in America and he opens it up and there's a woman in it. So, you know, she comes out and she says, you know, get me back to my husband and the whole thing. And every time the guy tries to because he's like this Dracula aficionado, mm-hmm. every time she basically meets the guy. And he's like, your husband's dead. And then he beats the little shit. she beats the living shit out of him. You know what I mean? And then, but like, this is a really interesting, um, film where she is, she's mean. Like she is Dracula's wife. She's not nice. She's not, she's sexy, but she's not trying to be sexy. And she just kills the shit out of lots of people and gets really ugly doing it. Like the, you know, typical where you kind of like fright night when the guy gets the, when, um, Jerry Damage gets the pencil through the hand.
2: Oh yeah. She yeah. gets
1: he gets really ugly real quick, you know what I mean? I yeah. kind of think like her. But this nice. was actually a really fun film. Gory and it almost looks shot on video. Age. I mean at least I don't know how to decide but it's the way it the way it looks is very the colors are different to it. It has a rawness to it. But it was real fun. I really like Dracula's widow. I got <laughs> another one called this is Yellow. called me Watch Me When I Kill. I have this on on VHS as well. Pretty sure. I've seen that one. This was shot in Freiburg. It's from 1977. Mm-hmm. It has that, it has that bonus where everywhere they put the camera, something beautiful happens because right. where it is, you know, and where yeah, it's, yeah. you know, the scenery is and stuff. But I, I picked out the killer right at the beginning of the film.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: one of those, because you can just tell the way he is and acts and you go, oh, you're the killer. And and uh the people he kill, you don't they're all bad people basically. You don't get a um a connection with to anybody, so you really don't care.
2: So you don't get like the uh the everyday hero who gets like thrown into the mystery to try to solve it or whatever and he's like a likable. You get guy. a
1: little bit of that, but they're still you know they're all rich dickheads and stuff. Like, she don't care.
2: Is is it more like police driven? Like the police are more like trying to? <clears throat> no, do no. Things? The police are. I think you see the police in this for about three
1: seconds. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's a. It's this guy who's trying to get to the bottom of it to protect his girlfriend that got uh mixed up in the deal by hearing the killer's voice on the other side of a door.
2: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, it was one of those. It's one of those convoluted kind of deals, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's she's a famous she's a famous dancer and um really a bitch. And I guess <laughs> the the one guy really likes her, and that happens to be the killer too. And it's just uh, like, oh, what a quinky dinky. Yeah, that you're mixed yeah. up together, you know. So I don't know. It was um it was released in 1981, but it's from '77, and this is an English dub one. This is actually Peter, the um, clueless drinker. His favorite is yellow. And I can oh, see really why really? as far as the – I talked to him too. I said, you know, I watched it. It's like a six out of ten, basically. But I understand what he says about, like, he likes the music. Music is mm-hmm. good. Not full-on, like, tenebrae, but it's good. And the, the scenery is just staggering. Every time they look somewhere, it's awesome. So I, I, I still get it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, like our, our mutual friend Peter, he he he's definitely like a big lover of the genre. Like, I th- I think he probably loves Giallo even more than both of us do, and like like his his int- like he's got an intense like geekery when it comes to Italian horror cinema. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, some of his tastes like I don't agree with, but I definitely do respect. Like like he right. he knows he knows his shit and he knows what he likes, so it's like you can't really argue. With them when it when it comes to that shit. So mm-hmm. actually, again yeah, and I thought I'd seen this one, but it sounds like I haven't. So this is now there I is did.
1: script like there is like script new for your killer and stuff like that. There are a mm-hmm. couple different ones, so uh, I don't have that one yet. That's one of the ones because I have uh, quite a many is yellow now, but there yeah. are so many. It's like they're, American they're slashers. S- There's so yeah, many.
2: like They I mean, it was the the trend of like going into the seventies and then, well, actually it started, I think maybe in the early sixties kind of, but it, it it's just like the spaghetti Western genre. They made like hundreds of them. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. Whatever worked,
1: run with it. Like it mm-hmm. just, whatever works. I mean, I, I mean, that's the kind of thing that the trope with anything that's good that gets ruined, people just grab it and run with it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the Italians were just all about like, let's, let's let's just like ring this market dry of every fucking dollar we can so that's what they were doing so you know well they're businessmen at heart i guess yeah i mean um the the movie the movie industry is about making money like art is great yeah. and all but you know yeah
1: no, i mean art's for your first film not your 21st film
2: yeah i mean you you hire artists to make your film but at the same time you're trying to make money with it so like you know exactly yeah
1: yeah cuz you want to be in the black at the end of the day
0: Hmm.
1: So I have this. There's one more we'll talk about real quick. And I did a um, Maniacs Meet like quick podcast about this one. Right. This is the 20th anniversary two disc uh, release of Nothing's Out There. Oh, I and love that film. This is a great film. This is a mm-hmm. really fun film, and this is a trauma release yep. with an extra bonus feature. And check out my Maniacs Meet podcast to hear all about it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. This we is definitely a, like, definitely a well, good one. We'll link that. Um, and I love this film. And like everyone talks about scream and it's like, this was doing the meta horror shit before scream was doing it. Yes.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. it was the guy It would not mean it's had a trope without the guy that watched too many horror films. So he knew exactly what to look for and he could do it. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. And, and the director, whatever his name is like Rolf Kaskansky or whatever the fuck his name oh, is. Yeah.
1: This is actually, this is actually signed by Rolf.
2: Yeah. yeah like, uh, like he, this- he, he did this and then he went on to do this all kinds of like soft core sex movies. Like he, yeah. like he did, like he did like all the, like the click movies, which were all about like this device that could cause instant <laughs> orgasms. And he did like a couple movies, like uh, pretty cool one and two. And he did a bunch of the Emmanuel films in the, in the two thousands and shit. Um, but like this, this movie, like really, really fucking good. Like really clever. Like, got all the horror tropes without, like... Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like Scream kind of, like... It kind of s- sort of rings its nose at horror. Like, it, like it acknowledges oh, no. yeah. all it, no, it, 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 it acknowledges are right. Yeah, it acknowledges all the tropes, but at the same time, it doesn't love the genre. And I feel like no. there's nothing no. out there actually does love the genre, and it's like... No, it does. Yeah. It, I told you, uh, I mean if you watch it too,
1: I'll say it here because it needs to be said the first six minutes of the film is worth the whole film.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they,
1: when they, they go to the video store, that tells you how much they love everything they're given. And midnight, by the way, was one of the pictures shown. Yeah. The the movie that I love so much, but uh, it is, such a great film and scream i tell you what i wanted to do a little podcast on maniacs me to pick five films you wish were never made and screams (laughs) one of them for me because it makes fun of the genre it not in a good way like it like because i don't think i mean honestly um what after trying to think which film there's a film in the 80s i can't really pinpoint it but like after that i think west Craven should have just died in a bus crash (laughs) <laughs> because everything he made after that was garbage and he just makes fun of horror movies and i hate it like he just i made money off films that are stupid you know that kind of thing and well here, here's the thing like, it.
2: i mean th- this might be slightly controversial i don't i don't think Wes craven's a horror director i don't think he actually gave a shit about horror like that's it just, he never it, did just it, it just happened to be something he got latched into and it's like oh well Wes Craven's the horror guy now so let's make him do more horror movies like he he was a well, porno you know, director before he did that mhm so i would he should have stuck with it you know what i mean and um, then
1: he, and then he like, made he, like, when you look at um uh, remember the hills have eyes yeah well you know how the whole trope i i think about this differently now but you know how the troll trope was. He was trying to push it to Spielberg, going, "Oh, you think that's scary? I'll show you something really scary." With the, with the Jaws poster ripped up. Yeah, yeah. Now I think, just think he's making fun of Spielberg for making a horror film. You know, right. I'll make another horror film, and it'll be like I don't know. I just don't like the guy now.
2: I mean, I I don't hate Wes Craven like as a person because apparently he's like the nicest fucking dude ever. But like, I just don't rate him as a so he's a horror director like as far as like you know they, they say the masters of horror right from the 80s and shit in the late 70s 80s mm-hmm. so you like you get your romero your carpenter and shit like that i don't think he ranks up with them at all like i he made some good movies he made some really good horror movies um but i don't rate him as like a master of horror quote unquote is like he's like a really unique voice that made all these like really iconic horror movies. Like as much as people say Nightmare on Elm Street, it's a great horror movie. I, I think it's shit. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Scream, I don't hate Scream, but I don't think it, I think it's way more overrated than a lot of people give it, you know, like a lot of people sort of think like, they're just like, oh, it's, it's su- super fucking great. Like, no, nah, it's not that good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd I know actually, so
1: that a lot of people can watch it and enjoy it. I get mm-hmm. that, and it is kind of funny too. But it's not great. I mean, I don't like scream because of what it did to the genre afterwards.
2: Yeah, because then you get all the imitators, and so you you had like a good five years of like really shitty mainstream horror movies that yes were, were made in its wake. And I mean, mm-hmm. sure, sure, it it brought horror back to the f- forefront, but it didn't. Do anybody any favors really and in, in some ways, like as far as like making yeah. really great horror. Well,
1: I blame I blame them twice for that because the thing is it started with Nightmare on Elm Street. That became a joke series and it made other joke shit afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then Scream came out and did the same thing.
2: Yeah, like Nightmare on Elm Street, I like part two a lot. Uh and then like the rest of the series I'm just not a big fan of, honestly. Like it's mm-hmm. And then, then you get like Freddy's Nightmares, the T V series, which is just absolute hot garbage.
1: <laughs> it's just, but it was cool for us when I was, we were kids because there's nothing else but
2: like Yeah, anyway. I mean, yeah, you know, looking back, it's like what what were we gonna watch? But yeah. Um
1: Oh, I still I still remember trying to sit through the Friday the thirteenth series. That was
2: garbage. Yeah, oh yeah, Friday the thirteenth, the series. Like that, yeah. that series is kind of fine on its own, as lo- like, if it didn't have that name attached to it for whatever mm-hmm. bullshit reason they did it, like, it, it kind of would have worked because there's actually some pretty good episodes in that series, but it, it just throws you for a loop because it's like, how does this relate to Jason? Oh, it doesn't at all. It does It's okay. a little bit of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, well, we're talking about something tonight
1: that's not disappointing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll just men- <laughs> I'll just mention one thing before we uh, go to our break here that I watched uh, recently. This is a movie. It's uh, an Italian crime film called The Sicilian Connection from 1972. Uh, it's starring Vin Gazzara and he plays this like cocky mobster guy who wants to set up like a drug connection between Turkey and the U.S. And so he's 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 like. Uh, he's he's using his quote unquote Sicilian connection to try to get an inn in on Turkey and set up like uh, a drug network to send heroin like straight to the U.S. and shit. So it's basically Ben Gazzara showing up being like really cocky. I don't know if you know who Ben Gazzara is as an actor. Uh, maybe not. No. Um, uh, but he was like a really good character actor from the seventies and, and did a lot of stuff in the seventies and eighties. Um but he is in like if you see the big Lebowski, he's uh Jackie Treehorn, the uh, the porn uh, kingpin. I don't know if you saw that either. Um but like he he's he's really good in this he he he's comes in as this like arrogant mobster guy who's got all kinds of swagger uh he starts like flirting with all these lonely mobster wives and shit and like banging them and and stuff like that uh try to set up all these drug deals and shit and then he's got like you know uh undercover cops coming after him and other gangsters coming after him and shit and i found it thoroughly entertaining especially because it's like It's kind of a riff on the French connection in the sense that it's like, Hey, it's about heroin and we got some car chases and stuff like that. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's, it's kind of almost like a docudrama about how heroin was made and turned into, you know, like how, you know, you take the poppies and, and you make opium and then you fucking make heroin and shit. Like it was a whole fucking, um, uh, It's almost like a how to process of how the the whole criminal underworld works as far as like producing, distributing, and all that shit. Um, Mm. So it was kind of interesting. And, you know, it's an Italian film, so it's very exploitive too. So there's, you know, there's there's some, you know, shootouts and fights and shit like that and crazy shit going on. And uh, I found it thoroughly entertaining and it's got a great score. It's got uh, the D'Angelo's brothers who did just. Like if you followed my series on blood on the tracks uh, of covering their scores, they did fucking everything in the Italian film industry for everything from comedy to horror. Uh, they did the, uh, this, the score for torso, um, Ooh. I the score they do here is fucking great. It, it's it's a fucking brilliant fucking score, but it's one of their lesser known ones and uh, very much worth checking out. It's hard to find, though. Like, I don't know if it's on Amazon Plus or any of those fucking things. I got it from Rare Lust and just downloaded it from there. Uh, okay. But, yeah, but it, it's, it's great. It's fucking great. And uh, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, Uh, play podcast promo, some music, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the fucking Wolfman. And I don't know about you, Paul, but uh, I think.
0: We got this, man. We got this by the ass.
2: Always. Exactly.
0: You ungodly warlock. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. <laughs> no one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept... Little history, it's all yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally love this film.
2: Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's dwarfed watching this shit at 12 years old.
0: Yeah, this is, this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time yeah. when we were getting ready to do it, but it was How did a rough you one. watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to CinemaSciops, you ungodly warlock
2: We're back and we're going to talk about the Wolfman from 1941. And I actually have a trailer, not the original trailer, because the original trailer is like all music and no dialogue. But I do have this fan-made trailer. So we're going to go to that.
1: that's funny another dog
0: (laughs) no that's a wolf
1: a wolf and a star what does that mean
0: i thought you said you were psychic
1: oh i am but this is only wood and silver and it hasn't blue eyes well that's a very rare piece it shows the wolf and the pentagram the sign of the werewolf werewolf what's that that's a human being who at certain times of
0: the year changes into a wolf you mean runs around on all fours and bites and snaps and bays at the moon oh even worse than that sometimes <laughs> is bitten by a werewolf and leaves becomes a werewolf himself. Oh no. And heaven help you.
2: I think they might have put some original music in that fucker. Um Anyway, directed by George Wagner. He's probably better known as like a more of a prolific writer uh, and director of TV. Like he did a bunch of TV episodes of like Batman from 66 man from uncle. Like he did a bunch of movies, but it was like kind of journeyman director, like whatever the studio gave him to direct, he directed kind of thing. Right. Written by Kurt Ciedemach. Uh We've covered him before uh, recently with Creature with the Atom Brain. He did all kinds of like horror sci-fi stuff sort of during this like 20, 30 year period into the, like the 50s and 60s. You want to know more about him? We talked about him on that episode. This is starring Claude Rains as Sir John Talbot, the, imil- the invisible man himself in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I saw I this feel- one first. Yeah, I, I feel like he's kind of miscast as <laughs> as the father figure here, especially when uh, Lon Chaney walks in here and he's like 18 feet taller than Claude Rains. It's like, okay, uh, mm. yeah. Warren William is Dr. Lloyd. He, he's sort of like a bit sort of a contract player for, I think, what, U- yeah, for Universal here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's in he's two be- or
1: three movies. Like-
2: yeah, he's, he's best known for his... Um, he appeared as uh, Michael Lanyard's jewel thief turned private detective, the lone wolf in like nine movies uh, from 1939 to 43, uh, beginning with uh, the lone wolf spy hunt from 39. And he's like one of 10 actors appeared in that series over like a 30 year run or some shit. Um, that was a TV series or movie series? Movie series. This movie this is series. like, yeah, this is like when, you know, the, the studios, TV. Yeah, this is like when the studios were pumping out shit ton of movies, yeah. like like the Sherlock Holmes series with Rathbone and shit like that, or Nigel Bruce mm-hmm. and Basil Rathbone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they'd make like five of them a year or whatever, right? You know, okay, because you know the movies were usually only like sixty minute. They're like as long as this movie, like sixty minutes or I, less. I saw
1: maybe. him in a in a as a sta- not a stand in, but he was also in a was a cowboy film I watched um, mm-hmm. from Universal back in the day. He was in that too so yeah he's uh, he's got a very unique face when you see him you see him
2: you do yeah yeah like you get all these like contract players who like they they'll do whatever Universal's making right so it's like they're not necessarily always just doing horror movies like uh, bella lugosi would be doing or something like that like sometimes you'll get these guys who are just you know i'll do a western then i do like five romantic comedies then i do a mystery film or noir or whatever the fuck you know Mm -hmm. Uh, Ralph Bellamy as Colonel uh, Montford he had a long career went right on like he died in 1990 or something like that I think Mm -hmm. Uh, so he did a bunch of notable shit he did like Rosemary's Baby Mm -hmm. then he made a bunch of stuff in the 80s that like everyone kind of remembers these days like people our age and shit so kind of his late career was pretty prolific like he was in trading places Amazon women on the moon coming to America pretty woman Stuff like that. Like am not speaking to Mortimer. <laughs> yeah, like that's a good I,
1: I loved it in coming to America too. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Knowles is Frank Andrews. Uh, he was in Frankenstein Meets the Wolf Man. So he's in, you know, the direct sequel to this basically. Uh, Terror in the Wax Museum and he did all kinds of other universal shit. Mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi is Bella who you know, it's just some guy, Bella Lugosi, whatever, you know, they call them Bella whatever, they, no respect. Uh Maria Ospinskaya? Ospinskaya, Ospinskaya. Yeah. As Malevia, uh she is she did a bunch of universal shit, uh you know, mm-hmm. didn't have a, as big of a career, but uh she is in the direct sequel to this Frankenstein meets the She Wolf-Man. was an originally a uh Russian comedian before she oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, she she actually carries over to the sequel as the same character. So that's interesting. Um, You know, you have this whole, like, uh, universal monster universe that actually kind of existed in the 1930s to a certain degree, uh, because all all these characters were sort of crossing over. You got Evelyn Anchors as Gwyn Conliffe. Uh, She was in The Ghost of Frankenstein, Son of Dracula, Visible Man's Revenge, Sherlock Holmes in The Voice of Terror, as well as the uh, Shark Holmes film, uh, The Pearl of Death. So she did a bunch of stuff for Universal at this point. J.M. Kerrigan as Charles Conliffe. Uh, he was in Gone with the Wind, Werewolf of London, and another notable one, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, which is cool. Like, he, he is... He was Werewolf of London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Faye Helm as Jenny. Forrester Harvey as Twiddle. Uh, he was a character actor who he, he, you, you'll know him when you see him. He was in the Invisible Man. He's the uh, the uh, innkeeper in the Invisible Man, and he's in the Invisible Man Returns as a different character. Uh, he's in Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde and uh, adaptation of the Lodger from I think forty four, if I'm not mistaken. One one of the like, there's been like a million adaptations of the Lodger, so um, the one where. Hey, Jack the Ripper's renting a room in my apartment building or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um mm-hmm. then of course we have Lon Chaney Jr. I don't get why he's bottom building this. That seems very disrespectful, but uh as Lawrence tells Well they it, were also pissed at him too, so well yeah, because he was notorious drunk. He was, yeah. he was not he was not cool on the set. He was being a bit I guess uh, he was vandalizing company property when he
1: got drunk and uh, he mm-hmm. was giving Evelyn Anchor a uh, hard time all the really
2: hard time yeah like showing up Mm -hmm. in his werewolf make uh, makeup and like scaring her and shit yeah yeah but uh as lawrence talbot slash the wolfman um Mm -hmm. so we have a synopsis here from gary kmcd on imdb saying larry talbot returns to the family estate in wales after having (sighs) and You wouldn't know this is fucking Wales, by the way. No. Like, no, no it's got an way. accent. You know. It's fine. Uh, after spending 18 years in the United States, he's now in the heir to the family estate after the death of his older brother, John. His father, Sir John Talbot, welcomes him back warmly, and he soon settles into local life. Larry takes an interest in a local girl, Quinn Conliffe. Walking her and her friend home late one evening is bitten by a wolf. Fables and myths abound, about werewolves—beasts that are half man and half wolf—for Larry, these myths may be all too real as he becomes a werewolf himself. And yeah, we'll get into it here. So, uh, I know you've probably seen this about a fucking million times, Paul. Considering pretty your, much your love of werewolf films, so yeah. uh, I have a
1: huge uh, Wolfman. I have a huge Wolfman poster next to my bed. I got Wolfman mm-hmm. action figures, Wolfman this, Wolfman sex toys. I'm pretty much, I got everything. So definitely, uh, definitely I have various copies of it too. LaserDisc, yeah, yeah. Beta, you know, the whole deal. But oh, um, nice. uh, so I've never seen this film before. And I have no yeah. idea what it's
0: about.
1: <laughs> uh, it, it is, the first time I saw it, I saw this when I was a kid. It was just one of those, uh, and that's the nice thing about these films. You can see them when you're children. They can show them to you. It's, they're yeah. scary, but not too scary. That kind of thing. Um, it's a film my grandmother told me about, like one of the things she watched. So you know, kind of, so it was always like a a nice thing and something uh, out of all the Universal horror films, this one grabbed me. Mm-hmm. This is the one that grabbed me. So I was just in, into it ever since.
2: It's really the most human one, right? Like it, it, it's very much Talbot's a very much more relatable human character in a lot of ways compared to like all the universal monsters, like even Mm -hmm. the invisible man who's like a regular guy, but he's, he's a crazy megalomaniac and shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Larry Talbot's a regular guy who might have some really bad mental illness. We'll, we'll get into that, but fucking he he's, he's very like the way Lon Mm Chaney Jr. plays him. He's very just, Oh, Shucks, matter-of-the-fact, kind of the fact, like yeah. average guy, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. like he, if you heard the clip we played at the beginning of the film, like he's he's talking to the gypsy or romani woman, however you want to say it. I know I know some people find gypsy super offensive these days, but oh, um, shut up. I mean it's it's it is true, <laughs> but but I yeah. mean there there's also some gypsies that uh, don't have any problem with it. So yeah, I mean it's right. kind of a shade of gray kind of thing, but yeah. um he's talking to her and you know in in the clip and he's don't give you know he, he's talking very much like 1930s 40s like average guy slang like oh don't give me that shit about werewolves and stuff like that like yeah, oh right. shucks don't, don't don't try to lay that on me you know kind of thing and it, he's a very he's very naturalistic and engaging and you just kind of like him like he like you you kind of mm-hmm. root for him a, a bit right like cuz you you can kind of understand where he's coming from
1: right yeah yeah, he's that gentle giant kind of a deal that you like. Yeah, you like him. Yeah,
2: because yeah, he's even big here. Like like he's a huge fucking dude. Like he's he like I I don't I didn't look up how tall he was, but he's a pretty big motherfucker. And like he's he's not fat here. Like later on in his career, right? Like he um his alcoholism goes just rampant, and he gets right. really overweight and shit. And it you and see he some gets his-
1: upset later because he gets typecast. Yeah. Now I really liked him in Mice of Men. In Mice of Men because oh, he yeah, did yeah. really well. Yeah. But yeah. like he was sad that he kept on playing monsters and villains and things like that. But you know, but he did a good job when he did it.
2: He, I mean he was incredibly talented and, mm-hmm. and and the and the sad thing is he he was an alcoholic and that kind of just took over his life. And mm-hmm. you know, you you see him in shit like uh uh Dracula versus Frankenstein in like the seventies and it's just i think that was his last movie actually that he was in and it was just so sad to see him in that condition where he's just incredible he's just super overweight and he can barely move he he's obviously probably drunk on set he can't mm-hmm. do his lines properly but here he you know he's just big just sort of hunk of a guy and very uh likable very unassuming and getting into this, like, he he's here to basically inherit his estate because his brothers died. And, like, it's a hunting yeah. accident, they say, right? Yeah. The, yep. they, they don't, they don't mm-hmm. go too deep into it. Like, it feels like maybe deep down there might be some sort of resentment between, you know, because these are the, the aristocrats, the, the mm-hmm. rich people in the community. And this is a very, like, backwards, traditional European kind of town. There might've been some resentment between the local populace and this family. And that maybe that accident wasn't necessarily an accident. Maybe something might've happened in the background or mm-hmm. maybe even the brother maybe there's mental illness in this family and the brother killed himself too. Like it's never, they never talk about it. So it,
1: it's written more in the old, the original script, like the idea of it, that it was more of a psychological thing that happened to the yeah. people and not a physical transformation. But I guess they changed that to make it. So it's more visually appealing, which I like, mm-hmm. honestly, I'd rather, I mean, I don't think the film would ever, ever have had such a, a impact if the guy just had it in his brain.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that it shows the wolfman physically on screen is kind of the lasting iconic appeal of it that people remember. Plus but, Jack Pierce was a master. Oh fuck, fucking the fucking makeup in this is exquisite. Yes, Chaney's performance is great, but the makeup allows his performance to come through in the makeup, which is the brilliant thing. It's it's not a mask like a traditional like, "Oh, we're just going to put a fucking mask on you and have you like walk around in a rubber suit bullshit." Mm-hmm. You know they're, they're taking the hair, ironing it down, or whatever. You know, like uh, yeah, ox hair, yeah, ox hair, and fucking. You know, they're they're. I think it was like a six-hour process to put it on him, and yeah. it took even like either longer or half it as took longer
1: to take it off because you got to take yeah. all the adhesive
2: and stuff off. And mm-hmm. I mean,
1: that was that was painstaking, but it was effective.
2: Yeah, I mean he he looks great, and I mean that's an iconic look, right? Like this movie, this entire movie made the Hollywood werewolf, not even the Hollywood, just the cinematic werewolf. No, just the cinematic werewolf genre. Yeah, because mm-hmm. how many movies have ripped off the look of the Wolfman in this? Mm-hmm. Like Paul Naschy, uh, as, as in, you mentioned,
1: Werewolf London. Yeah, Paul Naschy, because he. This is the reason he made films is he got Universal. Horror films um, smuggled into Spain, and they used to watch them in people's basements, and mm-hmm. they
2: could have been all
1: shot for doing
2: it. Yeah, fascist Spain. Yeah,
1: but uh, he got the inspiration from these films to do his legacy, and it goes mm-hmm. on and on and on and on. There isn't an, another film where I can't remember. It's something like the House of Dracula or something like that that's out now that was released only a few years ago, and it has mm-hmm. and it's basically like sons and sons and you know nephews and something of these
2: people that did like another film like that apparently there are there are direct sequels to this right so although unlike uh, a lot of the 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 universe film sometimes different actors would take up the roles and shit so there's a distinction here Lance Chaney jr ended up playing the wolfman in all the sequels Mm -hmm. the official universal sequels. And although they're not like necessarily direct official sequels to this film, he's reprising the character in all these films. So like it it goes on Frankenstein for, yeah. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman in 43. Then he does house of Frankenstein in 44. Then he does house of Dracula in 45. And then he does uh, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein uh, in 48. Yeah. Yep. And and then also he showed he did it on TV as well. There was some sort of um TV special or something that was done with uh like Bella Gosi and Karloff as well. And and they didn't do any of their characters but Chaney was doing like several of his different characters and did the wolfman mm. like briefly for something that I read. But Yeah. Now
1: yeah. uh Lon is the only act Lon Chaney Jr. is the only actor who played every single character Mm-hmm. he played dracula and the mummy and frankenstein and the wolf man so it, not everyone has that under his belt either
2: yeah 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 that's true so i thing i think i really love about this film and i don't know how you feel on this because i know you're a bigger werewolf fan than i am and i kind of feel like maybe you probably side with the idea that strictly that yes he is a werewolf i like that this film is very ambiguous because, like you said, originally the script was going to be, we don't really know, right? And mm-hmm. and then uh, what the finished product we get a lot of like scenes of a wolf man running around. And, but yes. I think I think the script is still clever enough where it leaves it up to your interpretation a little bit. Because whenever it didn't
1: you, until he became a wolf, mm,
2: like you know, <laughs> I'm like, ooh. oh, damn. What
1: you're saying is it could still be in his head. It, it, it you're could just seeing you're seeing a representation
2: because a lot of it, a lot of it is like his, from his perspective. So like, yes, he, like you can, you can buy into the idea that he believes that he's becoming a werewolf because he comes in, he's there. There's there's sort of hint that he's mentally not all there. Like there's something going on with him. That's not addressed. Uh, like f- from, from the beginning where he's a peeping Tom, <laughs> and he's and he's like fixated on on the uh, on Evelyn Ankers uh, character, who is by the way engaged, and she has mm-hmm. you know she she has a fiance, but he still tries to pursue her for a romance and shit. Like there there's a mm-hmm. there's a subplot there that's not really fleshed out fully, but it's kind of the fiance
1: there. and the fiance works with it for him.
2: Yeah, and he yeah like. And at one point in the carnival or whatever, he's like, he he competes against them in the like the shooting gallery fucking thing, right? You know, right? Um, yeah, no, yeah. So like the and you can kind of tell by his performance, he's like, "Fuck you, guy! You're trying to like move in on my fiance. Like we've had maybe like a little bit of stress in our relationship, and you're like moving on in here. That ain't gonna happen, bitch." Um, oh, you know, it's the decadent,
1: it's the decadent thing too, because he is that that area's landlord basically like that, exactly. that kind, of kind of like i have the power i can take your girl um i do like it when paul does like what's well, wrong can't you shoot a wolf that kind of thing and he's yeah. like oh, <laughs> with you. like because i can shoot Well, I, I basically he's saying i will shoot you yeah and i really like that like
2: <laughs> but uh so like you know going into like the ambiguous nature of this so from that carnival gwyn's friend is attacked by something someone or something and 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 larry talbot intervenes she unfortunately dies before he can you know get there but he kills what he thinks is a wolf like he he sees an actual you know quadrupedal fucking creature attacking her and that's Mm -hmm. from his perspective he's seeing that but we never and and we never see a fucking uh, werewolf there or anything like that. We just see like, it could be a big wolf or a dog or whatever mm-hmm. um, attacking. And, but he, it, it feels like, like he's heard the stories about the werewolf and shit. And it's kind of, he's kind of taking it to heart. So he feels maybe like he's become a werewolf just psychologically. Almost.
1: They talk um, a lot about it. What the doctor keeps on saying it about uh, mm-hmm. mass hysteria, psychosomatic systems. Those kind of things. Uh, and that's why Sir John Talbot, you know, it's like, get away from these people. Stay indoors. You'll be okay. Just get mm. away from their spells, that kind of thing. Like, and they, they really focus on that instead of going, yeah. well, we'll just tie you up and watch you when the moon turns out and they like, kill us, then there you go. Yeah. Uh, and, I like the and, dog part. I, I always hated and liked the dog part because it's like very, rrr, rrr, like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, apparently, that was his dog. It was yeah. like a rescue dog. And then they, became good friends and he just kept the damn thing and then that was his dog he used for that but mm-hmm. um I I, I kind of wish you know because I kind of was like well then why didn't you turn to a dog because you didn't you know that's, what I mean like and that's that's,
2: that's the thing like it it makes it come into question of whether what he's seeing is something we can take to heart right like mm-hmm. it's from his perspective but his is he is he, you know, like, collude, Like, is he seeing just like a dog attacking or is he seeing Bella Lugosi attacking?
1: Or is he seeing an animalistic event happening in front of him and he just puts two or two together? Mm-hmm. Says, you know, in the night, in the dark, in the fog. And then he said, "It goes, it was dark. It was fog. He had a fight. You tried to save this one. You killed a, You. killed. I like the, the fact that when John Thomas says it, you kill a townsfolk. No big deal. Like, you've done this before, haven't you? You yeah, a townsperson. You know, I just have that feeling that your family has killed a townsperson at some point in time. You're like, "Oh, come on, it's foggy out."
2: Yeah, th- there, there's like a the time. there's a lot of subtext under here that could be sort of like brought up. That I think, like it, it's a universal film made, made in 1941. We can't go there directly. We kind of like mm-hmm. hint at it and make it more sanitized. So Bella Lugosi and his mother, who's the uh, gypsy woman, the old woman that you know. Talbot sort of confides in, and she tells him like, "Oh, you're cursed now. You're a werewolf and shit." It feels like they maybe share. If, if you go on, if you go on the the thread that this is all in everybody's head, you can you can bring up these are superstitious people, and they have this belief, and perhaps they're both like mentally not quite there. Like Bella Gosi believes he's a werewolf when he really he's just a fucking serial killer. Yeah. Like you, you can you can kind of you can go that way, and I'm actually cool with and either way. Like I, I kind of enjoy the movie on either side of those those things. Like I, I think it, right. it's kind of it's kind of fun to think about. Oh shit, what if this is all in their minds? And like, so Bella Gosi and his mother are just inherited craziness, you know? Like, or, or maybe
1: she's she's the one that controls, or she's the one that puts this hypnosis upon everybody. That, that no, too did to him. Now she did it to him. Now she'll do it to the next one. You know what I mean? All, that kind of thing.
2: All, although, although, also that that kind of goes into like a long history of like Hollywood demonizing gypsies as like evil sorcerers and, and pieces of shit too. Which is like <sighs> eh, maybe, maybe you know push back from that a little bit. You know, maybe yeah. maybe not maybe not be so fucking racist about that shit, but whatever. Like, it, I mean, it's nineteen forty one. What are you gonna fucking do? That it, it's just what they do. But mm-hmm. um, I I I do love that this film leaves it so open for because I enjoyed either way. Like, I I've seen mm-hmm. this a couple times. I was watching this this time sort of like, is there anything to this kind of thing? I was just kind of like watching, and like, uh, maybe maybe you can kind of look at it this way and, and, and maybe it, it makes it almost like the deepest of all the universal horror films. Like, I, I feel like even though it, it's a bit of a slower film compared to a lot of the universal horror, like the invisible man compared to this, the invisible man, is like, like it, it's just beat for beat. Like it's just going into shit. This one, mm-hmm. it takes a time. And even mm-hmm. then it's like, it's 70 minutes or whatever yet it still feels a bit longer because it's kind of very slowly unraveling shit. And I kind of really appreciate it for that because it's actually the script secretly, I feel, has stuff to say if you want to interpret it that way compared to like Dracula and the mummy and shit, which are much more straightforward, I feel, compared Mm -hmm. to this one. And uh, it it makes me feel like this is kind of my favorite of the sort of the original Universal horror movies. Um, I would say you can you can look into this deeper if you want to, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. Exactly, yeah, the the movie doesn't force you either way. It, it it's yeah. very it's but I I think it it's brilliant the way it's done where Kurt Siedemack left the script. Open enough, even though he had to make changes and shit, he still left it open enough because he was that good of a writer that if you wanted to look for it like if you if you wanted to look for like different meanings in this shit, if you didn't want to take it on its just on its face value, you could go there and there's like arguments to be made for it as opposed to like something like uh the fucking mummy where it's pretty fucking straightforward you know right c- compared to this so.
1: This one's uh, this one's interesting, too, because he kind of set the stage, like you said, for every almost every other werewolf film ever. Mm-hmm. And Was like he- even my favorite, my favorite werewolf movie is The Howling from 1981. Mm-hmm. And they just I love the fact that he goes, we're just going to let other films tell the the, the folklore for us. Mm-hmm. And they were just sitting in the bed, you know, just laying in the bed and then the wolf fans play in it's setting the stage with their own folklore that he put into this film, helping other, you know, werewolf films explain why they're doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? And yeah. It started here.
2: Well, I mean, so, so here's the thing, like the unique thing about this is that, uh, so like you look at Dracula and Frankenstein, which are the other two big ones, they have source material. The Wolfman has no source material really, because the werewolf uh, is, you know, folklore but there's never been like a definitive werewolf novel no
1: it's a it's a, collo- it's a collaboration of different things from different regions hmm. of how to become a werewolf or why you do it or what you do it when you're in it it's all different
2: yeah so like Kurt Sidomek here he's he's inventing a lot of this shit and he's pulling a lot from vampires when he's doing it so like yes. the, the idea of a werewolf biting you and you become a werewolf if you survive that's directly vampire shit Mm-hmm. Um if the idea of silver killing a werewolf was invented in this film because before then silver was traditionally something that could kill vampires so that was never a thing until this movie and that has become just the lexicon for werewolf films anything silver kills a fucking werewolf
1: yeah um, I don't even think a silver bullet was used in Soul House of Dracula or House of Frankenstein later. So I mean, it's just an mm. interesting kind of thing because it's a cane in this one, you know yeah. I mean? and it's uh, something else in the other one, and then it's a bullet in the next one, and
2: yeah, um, you, you got you got Chekhov's cane in this film where you know at the very beginning he buys the silver headed cane. And it's like if you if you buy that he's a werewolf. He sealed his fate from the beginning because his dad kills him with the fucking silver cane. You know, it's like there you go. It's it's a it's a brilliant piece of the fucking screenwriting. Like it's it's fucking mm-hmm. great. I actually really
1: love Claude Rains in this film. I he's understand excellent. like he is a little bit of a different compared to. I, I, I feel Claude. I feel like
2: he's I feel like he's physically miscast. I'm not I'm not like. Yes. I I want to I want to take back what I said earlier. Like he's he's miscast. I, I think I said. Well, he's my dad's miscast. only five
1: five, so I yeah. guess I can say. It. I, I did, the, uh, but yeah, <laughs> we. I can I always get past the accents and stuff with, not with everybody, but with him and his son because he just came back from America. And he's yeah. and it, you know, you were even saying, it, speaking very 30s American. You yeah, know what I mean? It, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, this is supposed to be Wales, and like, nobody sounds Welsh in this film. Oh, no, yeah.
1: nobody's talking with a mouthful of spit.
2: No. That's not happening. No. no Nobody sounds like a fucking Hobbit in this film. Like, it's just... No, you know, exactly. No, well I mean, but he is so...
1: I mean... He's just so damn good. Claude mm-hmm. Rains is just so fucking good. He's I mean, just amazing.
2: I mean, yeah, Claude Rains is one of the best actors in this. Like, it's but if
1: if there was if you wanted to have someone that had let's say a a British UK Wales whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um, manor house, it would be it would be him. Yeah, like it was either it was either him or James Mason. Those are the two people.
2: Who- <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And I mean, you see, yeah, yeah. The master, you can't resist the master. Whatever, whatever the fuck the he map, says, with Salem Slot, yeah. fuck me.
1: That it. Cross against cross.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, back shaman back. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, it does uh, it. so good. Yeah, we we should probably do Salem Slot at some point. I kind of feel it. I'll do Return to Salem Slot. i don't say uh, that. I kind of like Return to Salem Slot. Really? I kind of do. It, mm, I, they're making
1: Salem's Lot right now. By the
2: way, they are. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually kind of excited that it might be decent compared to yeah, the they're one doing, they made. they're doing. They're
1: doing Jerusalem. It's in Jerusalem. Ah, sorry, I can't say the word. Jerusalem's Lot in uh, Maine. They're shooting it.
2: Yeah, uh, they just did a TV series called Chapel Wait that I Ooh. watched with Adrian Brody in it. Uh, where he fits perfectly and that sort of thing is like, and then that is an adaptation of the J- Jerusalem's lot short story. Okay. And they expand upon it. I thought it was pretty decent. I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, it I think it goes a little too long. Like even like it's, it's funny to say like series these days, usually they only are in like eight episodes or 10 episodes or whatever the fuck. But at the same time, they still feel like maybe they go a little too long because they mm-hmm. just put a little too much into it. But I thought it was a pretty fucking decent adaptation. Really good Gothic horror, which is kind of what Jerusalem's Lot is. Is it's a it's a good more of a gothic horror film. Like there are vampires in Jerusalem's lot, but it's very much more like a, a Cthulhu mythos story, okay, slash Gothic horror kind of thing that Stephen King did in uh, Night Shift is is the book it's in. Um, yeah, I think it's a Night Shift. Night Shift or Skeleton crew. I can't remember fuck, but it was actually pretty good. It was really decent. Night I was Shift scamp- where they
1: battle the rats, the rats in the in the when they go down the that big ass. Oh rat, that, yeah, that that
2: that's that's Graveyard Shift. Yeah, Graveyard Shift. Yeah, yeah, Graveyard yeah. Shift. Yeah. Um it's a dirty movie. It's a dirty, dirty movie. I, I like that film though. I really like that. Yeah. Film. It it people shit on that like oh this is the period where Stephen King movies were shit. Like, no, that's actually a pretty good adaptation. Like it, it's batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. On, on its on its face, it's 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 definitely a B movie, but it's one. I would definitely say it's
1: like ones. the day of the dead of Stephen King because everyone's angry. Not a fucking everyone happy in that movie.
2: Everyone's angry and yelling at everybody. That's that's yeah. actually that's actually a fucking great comparison. I I never thought there about it that way, but that's that's pretty spot on, Paul. Hmm. That's mm. what I'm here for. I, yeah, I, I like it. I like it, man. Um, anything else you want to say about this film other than it's fucking great?
1: Because I think well, we're both first, great- uh, one of the first crushes, Evelyn Anchors, so sexy. Yeah. No, mean, she's, she's just, really good just hot. I just I, yeah, I always just loved her I mean Jenny was a dog and she got killed by one but she uh, <laughs> she was definitely a um, uh, definite an Anchor's just to me it was just hot and in a different way though it wasn't in yeah. the gothic girl hot or anything
2: like that she was just she's well, modern she's very modern hot like when, yeah, he's, spied, modern, when, hot. when, when he's spying on her through the, the telescope like she's mm-hmm. not dressed like like an 1800s like Punches. Oh, no, no, like, no, no. No, she's, no. she's looking very modern yes. Yeah. She's a
1: businesswoman. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, now, and she's, um, let me see. Let's go on with that. And then we'll talk about two more things.
2: Okay. Well, I was, I was just going to say, she's very, um, I like how she's presented where she does have a fiance, but she's kind of a bitch. Cause she's leading Talbot on. She's clearly um, hitting on yeah, him. She's, she's not she's not sure if she's going to marry this guy. So she's kind of like leading Talbot on, which is not a good idea. Cause I, I kind of like as much as I like the, like, he's just a wolf man. I also kind of buy into the, at, at the very least into the theory that he's a little mentally unstable and he's right. He's a little weird. Mm-hmm. So like he, he's fixated on her and he, she's kind of like tempting him. And when, she, when he kind of sees that she's still with her fiance and that's the thing that's going to happen, it feels like whether he becomes a wolf man or he's just a fucking, becomes a serial killer or whatever, that kind of triggers it a little bit. Right. So but I... Was I she doing
1: of, it because she actually liked him or was it because he
2: is the guy with the money? I... That's another good question. That's another question. Like, it feels like she's not a good person necessarily. Like feels like she's kind of a piece of shit.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she's hot enough to make it. Okay. So that's all right. I guess. Remember if you're going to be ugly, at least be nice. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, what was it? The, the, the scenery though, like the atmosphere, like when he's running through the forest and the mm-hmm. fog and then the, the, the first kill, the grave digger kill and stuff like that. Those are very, very interesting.
2: Oh, it interesting looks so things. good. It, lo- it looks so good. Yes. And like, I mean, you, you can tell this is, this is on sound stages and shit, but they do like universal had this knack for, in this period, especially making their sound stages look so convincingly good. Like, you got mm-hmm. some really good trees in this. Like, that's oh, fucking immaculate. And there's all kinds of fog everywhere, uh, all mm-hmm. the fucking time. So, any sort of like faults that might be in the set, it's hidden by the fog. Mm-hmm. So, it looks yeah. brilliant. It's
1: just like that one movie. What's it called? The Fog. Oh, that's it. The fog- um, <laughs> But the. Uh, did you hear about the Evelyn Anchor story when she was unconscious? No. Well, apparently what was going on was when they were fighting and uh, and then Sir John Talbert has to kill Lawrence, mm-hmm. she's supposed to pass out. Well, they did a take and she passed out. Well, she was she was supposed to lay there the whole fight scene. She yeah. laid there so long the fake fog was encompassing like encompassing her and stuff, and she was trying to breathe that she literally did pass out. <laughs> Jesus and Christ. The problem was when the film was over there was so much fog they couldn't see if she was still down there so they just walked away and started setting up for the other scene. Oh my <laughs> and and it was it was a long time before they realized that she wasn't around and they went looking for her and found her and had to revive her. Jesus. She was just laying passed out. Now, what's my luck? When do I get to find out a hot passed out girl laying <laughs> in the fog somewhere? Like, come on. It never it it never fucking. it.
2: Never fucking happens, and he, it Jesus. feels like it, sh- it feels like it should happen more in your case, considering you. In, my, like- ne- well, in my neck of the woods, it should, but no, yeah. it
1: doesn't. But that was yeah. always a really fun story. I was like, could, but but I'm glad it didn't turn tragic.
2: Yeah, well, it it could have tra- turned even more tragic because the Wolfman fights a like the, there was unused footage that they cut out of this, apparently, where the Wolfman fights a fucking bear, and they actually had a real bear on set. And oh. apparently, apparently, it scarred uh, anchors at one point. Like it, it, really? Like, and she was in a scene with it, and apparently, she got a scar from it while climbing up a tree, and it was like coming at her and shit. And they cut all that shit out of the fucking film, as far as the trivia kind of goes. Um, I, I don't kinda, know.
1: If, well, actually, it, I swear to God, there was a movie where I saw. Ooh, I know I saw Paul Nashe fight a tiger. That was awesome. But yeah. I think, yeah, Paul, it was a beast of the magic sword. He fights a tiger as a werewolf, but I oh, um, swear to God.
2: Oh God. What, what is that? The Paul Nashie film where he goes to Japan as a fucking yes. werewolf. Oh, yes, I awesome. have to see that. I have heard about that. I have it, to fucking it's see it.
1: absolutely fantastic. I have it on DVD. It's great. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the beast of the magic sword is awesome, but I do think there's another one where he fights a bear, but I can't remember, but my, boor- my dork boner would go off. I want to see the wolf man <laughs> fight a bear. I, right, yeah, I, definitely,
2: I definitely want to see Lon Shady Jr. fight a fucking bear as the wolf man. That like, is that, good. That, that is, is awesome. I mean, it feels like this film needed that a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, um, I don't know anybody.
1: Even Twiddle's funny. Like, everybody in this movie, to, I mean, I know it probably romanticized a little bit, but I just think everybody does their job perfectly in this film. Mm-hmm. No, and no. I, I do like I do like uh Claude Rains's that stern refusal to hear this twatty wall about mm-hmm. werewolves and
2: this and that, you know. I like yeah, that. Yeah, no, he he's like, especially if you go on like the mental illness angle with Talbot, like mm-hmm. his dad being like an authority figure in his life and telling him you can't believe this shit. Mm-hmm. Like this this is bullshit, you know? Like don't don't you worry about this stuff. You just do you, boo. Like you just keep fucking going on as, as you're going. Like the cops are like, "Well, we found you next to this dead gypsy." You've
1: that happens you know, all the time.
2: If, if, <laughs> apparently, yeah. That's the sad thing. It probably did happen all the time back <laughs> in that day. Uh, My so, question so, is because you brought up the
1: point of things being in people's brains, right? Mm-hmm. And you brought up the brother dying. Yeah. Would there be a fact that a hunting accident was because he was telling Sir John Talbot the same stuff that Lawrence tells him later? And that's why he's so angry immediately and defensive immediately about it.
2: That, that could be, that could be a thing. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, it was pretty immediate. Mm-hmm. like yeah, he, yeah he's very instant yeah he he jumps on it right like right yeah no that's uh that's a good fucking point there, there's when Sitomac was writing the original script he had definitely had shit in mind and he had to rewrite So it feels like maybe things were taken out that and things were left in that necessarily don't connect as well in the in the finished product but they leave questions open as to like maybe this actually happened in the original script like i'm very interested now in like if i could find the version of the original script that right which sounds like that's probably impossible to find at this point but mm-hmm. too bad yeah. well it, it would have been nice
1: if sealed would have um uh,
2: novelized it afterwards yeah i don't know if he did i don't think he did I don't because know. because he did write novels he was a novelist but, I, yeah, I don't think he did, and that's... I'm,
1: I never remember seeing, like, I've seen, I've got a lot of Wolfman novels, but not mm-hmm. the Wolfman, I mean, Cienloch, I, you know I mean?
2: Yeah, no, I, I figure you would be the kind of to go-to to ask, if, yeah. like, does that exist? And mm. I'm pretty sure it doesn't, yeah. No, I've never seen it. Now, if it does, I need it, to say that. Yeah, definitely. See, that, that doesn't feel like a thing that would happen back then, like, now... You, you like eighties, nineties, two thousands. Like, oh, the original scriptwriter makes the novelized version of his script that was not filmed. That's more of a modern thing than it is yeah. a thing back then. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's trying to cash in, even though everything didn't work. You know, that's what happens now. He's trying yeah. to do his thing. Now, I would like to talk a little bit, real quick. The score, absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. It is, and they. I like great. what they were talking about when they were using the word, um, was it the tri-note they were talking about? I saw this little thing when they were talking about the music yeah, and why they it, made it like that. It, and the every three time, notes oh. are the sign of evil.
2: Yes, every time the Wolfman yeah. shows up, you get those three notes.
1: Well, I don't know. And, that, that, and, that's, yeah, and I didn't know that until I saw that about that's why they did the three-note, tri-note thing because that is supposed to be an impending doom kind of a vibe you're supposed to get from that. And yeah, I guess the, that is kind of like it like uh what is it called uh, music of uh, like understanding like that's something that's been around for a long long time.
2: And and I mean it, it just triggers the viewer cuz it it trains you to to look for that. Like every time mm-hmm. you hear that it's like oh shit's going to happen.
1: But well, I mean, I mean, I mean honestly, if you really think about it and that mental let's say what you're just saying is like every time you hear dun 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 dun, dun, dun you know fucking something's going to happen. Yep. His Jaws is coming. Yep. You hear exactly. that? The Wolfman's here. Like that is that cool thing. I really and the and it just adds so much complexity, but it, it adds so much seriousness to something that other people would take as absurd. Because mm-hmm. it's yep. so well, it's like the Hammer horror films. The the scores are oh, absolutely I'm, breathtaking.
2: Yeah, you 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 taken scores for the original theme for the nineteen fifty eight Dracula. One of the best hammer scores ever made and it's one of the best just horror movie scores ever made and it's so simple and it and it was just you know bum 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 bum, Dracula. <laughs> bum, bum, bum Dracula. like so fucking simple but iconic as fuck and mm-hmm. powerful and yeah, the the Wolfman kind of does the same thing. Like it, it trains the audience and excites the audience into like, oh shit, shit's gonna happen now, and right. you know it. Like, yeah, it, it, you're 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 totally spot on. The the score is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the budget was one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Apparently, this did, did millions at at the at the point, like at least a couple million at the point when it was released like it was super successful for universal at this point which just goes to show like yeah we gotta get this wolfman and all of our other horror movies we're making in the next like 10 years <laughs> it right. was what they did <laughs> you know so it makes makes a lot of fucking sense uh we don't really have any trivia to go through because we kind of did it in our Talking points here. Um, Did you see the remake of the Wolfman from 2010? I can't remember. I think I own it,
1: and I uh, I saw it, and it's hot garbage. But it's 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 watchable. It is completely watchable. It it is watchable, but it's. Um, I really actually we'll go back. Let me go back to the beginning of the podcast really quick and say. Let Mm -hmm. me say something. You you mentioned the original American um, trailer for the Wolfman. Yeah. which says legend of the wolf. And then it has a little bit of a, a scrolling story. And then mm-hmm. it says the Wolfman at the end. If they would have called the Wolfman 2010 legend of the wolf, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Oh, yeah? But because they call it the Wolfman, it pisses me off because <laughs> they use three. They use three fucking names that were the same and everything's fucking different. Yeah. And that makes me mad.
2: Yeah, I I have mixed feelings on that film. Like, the CGI was really bad too. I, I like the performances for the most part. Like, I think Vinicio D'Orso is miscast in it. I, I like, I kind of like the idea that Anthony Hopkins is the father figure is a Wolfman. Like, I I kind of like that a little bit. But for the most part, it's just like it was not needed to be made. It, it's one no, of those re- no, remakes. no, absolutely not yeah it's it's one of those remakes where it doesn't add anything, so it's like okay,
1: eh. well, remember we talked about this before they're cashing in,
2: yeah, they they're are cashing in, uh, but apparently there's another remake now in the works, and it's coming from Blumhouse, who just did like you know the uh they're doing the Halloween ones now, and shit, uh. Yeah, Halloween Kills sucks. By the way, it's yeah. absolute garbage. Um, but maybe it'll be okay because, like, well, I'll say this: Blumhouse has made some good fucking horror movies at low budget prices, basically. That's but, good. Uh, but uh, you know, they might make a good Wolfman. Who I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually optimistic to see that because here's the thing, and I think you'll agree with me: there's not a lot of great Wolfman like werewolf films.
1: There are some good ones, enough to get a top 10, but mm-hmm. you're really struggling after that, and you have to really, really be a fan of the genre because it's yeah. got its own kind of genre to it to yes. really get a list going. Yeah. Because some on my list, most people wouldn't fucking like. Right, right. Because like, for me, one of my top – in the top five is Werewolf's First Vampire Woman with Paul Naschy. Mm-hmm. Most people would watch that and say, this is shit.
2: Yeah, no, you know I, mean? I like so... I, I like that film a lot, and uh, and I'm I'm not a, even a as big a werewolf fan as you are, and and I know you have a fucking deep love fuck for fucking werewolf films, so mm-hmm. yeah, and even you, even you, you know, saying that like you could get a top ten, but even then you're kind of stretching. Kind you're, of you're stretching it, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, and you're gonna get a lot of ones uh, most people. now you have to understand, like, if you're really talking to the mainstream people and you want a top 10, you need top 10 that people know about. Right. You know, when you're talking about, like, Night Shadow, well, what's that? Well, it's a movie from 1988 that had a, what was that name, Uh, Kato Kaelin in it, (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and no one's ever heard about it, and you can only get it on a box set with this other movie, like, you know you draw people away from that
2: yeah and by the way it's only a vhs rip so fuck you exactly buddy. yeah
1: so it's gonna be dark as fuck and you're just gonna have to enjoy that yeah yeah it's it's funny when, when you start getting into that people go oh, i'm not listening to you anymore
2: yeah yeah well fuck um paul it was an absolute pleasure having you back we gotta talk and get some more fucking episodes planned glad get to be back. here yeah get you back on the podcast more often Uh, where can people find you in your interwebs and, you know, talk about your podcast? Hit me up on
1: PA Brew News on the YouTubes, and then Oil Paintings by P. Rumele on Facebook and Twitter. Check out my Oil Paintings on PA Brew News and Maniacs Meet podcast on PA Brew News. And I'm sure there's other stuff on Facebook and Instagrams on that too. So just Maniacs Meet, PA Brew News. Those are the two main words you need to know.
2: Yeah, he's everywhere. Uh, you can find us at tmbdos.podb.com, where you can find our uh, Apple Podcast, Facebook, YouTube links, join the Facebook group. Best way to find out what's coming up on the podcast. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you back, Paul. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Glad you be here. Yeah. And so thank you. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back when we're fucking back. But until then, goodbye. <laughs> Listening today must be destroyed on site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.